Welcome to House Call with Dr. Mac, where you get a real doc with straight talk for the whole you. We're finishing up our conversation with Elle from Cleverly Changing Blog. If you weren't able to hear the first episode, that's why I love a podcast. You can go back and catch it and fill in all the gaps that you may have. Connect those dots. We sat down with Elle and she so elegantly and graciously took us into her life of how they are raising their twin daughters who have been affected by she and her husband's sickle cell trait. What we're going to do today is lay some foundation. We're going to go back to school a little bit, discuss some of the physiology that happens with sickle cell. And then Elle is going to take that physiology and she's going to connect the health dot and help you see what that looks like on a daily basis. What that looks like when a person has a crisis. How does that look to have pain or how does it look to have an infection? She's going to help you connect these dots. So I'm going to get out the way. Let's sit down. Let's finish this conversation. Let's connect these dots. Let's get some straight talk. And so that's writing about it just caused me to kind of see what how I was parenting and how I was connecting with the situation. And so it um, gave light to the situation, so to speak, because you can't. You know, when you read something, it becomes real, a little bit real, more real mm-hmm. than um, if you just think it. And so it kind of just changed the way I did things. So I, I mentioned before that we were kind of a private, we were kind of private and yeah, quiet. Yeah, and, this uh, is kind of <laughs> right. So the antithesis. This right. Is your alter ego. First. Right. And but so, really, yeah. but it was, it was. Import, I begin to see the importance mm-hmm. of kind of sharing your testimony. Yes. And that's what I see it as, yes. you know, just sharing our testimony. So, um, so it's a blessing for me. Wow. Wow. Oh my goodness. But, but there are a couple things I want to go back to, but before we, we go down those roads, let's go back to the cord blood registry. Cause I know that is, that is like striking a chord in people and they're saying, what is this cord blood registry? So from my side of the table, from what I know, it was um, an emerging option for parents that I would actually have to sit down and counsel when you're going through either preconceptual or your prenatal counseling. And you can do cord blood registry for various reasons. Um, What cord blood registry is, is that at the time of delivery, you have already consented and said you want your cord blood to be, um, you want, you want there to be kind of a mapping and you save, we have to take a sample from the cord blood. Literally we take a chunk of the, of the cord that has not been exposed to the oxygen in the room because that's essential. It has to be in that native environment. So we have to clamp a segment of the cord and then we have to actually draw some of the blood out of the vein side. And that's essential because in the fetus, the vein side has all the oxygen component, okay, which is different from the adults. So it's drawn and we just do paperwork side. Now, 
from my understanding, you have to decide on a company where you're going to store that sample. Okay. What happens is you now have genetic material that are stem cells. And mm -hmm. stem cells can actually differentiate into almost any type of cell in the body. So I get the question, should everybody do cord blood storage or cord blood um, sampling or, or saving and storage? And what we have said is that you've got to go do some of the research on the on the facilities because it's going to be a cost to you. It's like renting a storage space. And what we have found is those that have sickle cell anemia in their family, those yes. that have um, some of the other um, chromosomal abnormalities in their family that will um, impact their lives greatly in terms of long-term care needs and medical needs, you may want to have your cord blood stamp stored. Yes. Um, then you've got to work out the finances yourself. Yes. Okay. So it's not for everybody. It will be offered to all of our prenatal patients, but not everybody is going to take that option. Right. So it's kind of one of those things where your physician will leave it very open-ended. And some people want your physician to say, yes, you should, or no, you shouldn't. But it's going to be something where you're given a lot of information and you kind of have to make the informed decision that's best for you. Right. So how was that? It sounds like it was kind of a very casual conversation. <laughs> right. It but was. It was. Can you please tell me how, how was cord blood um, offered to you? Well, um, so in the... Um, doctor's room it was a casual conversation and it was up to me to kind of call the different mm. banks and see what was best for my family and my situation and that's what I did okay um I didn't it's very costly so yes. it's it's thousands um, I know when I did it it was um more than a thousand dollars um and I know that um they they kind of have people to talk to you too. Um, they're definitely trying to sell their bank to you. Yeah. So that's something to keep in mind. But um, in terms of sickle cell, if you have um, someone with sickle cell or, you know, somebody with... Um, uh, I know cystic fibrosis. Cystic fibrosis um, or other disorders, uh, there will inherited. be... Yeah, there will be... Sometimes they will offer free... Core, um, you can bank your core blood for free, a uh, sibling core blood for free. Mm. So it's something that if you're interested and you definitely, one of your um, offspring has an issue, it's something for you to look into because mm. there may be a way for you to do it without the thousands of dollars. Okay. So okay. Um, if your only reason is the money, there, there may be it. other options okay. for you. Um, I know for us, because I didn't have any other kids, mm -hmm there was no free option at the time. Okay. So, um, so when we did it, um, you basically sign up for it and they send you a kit. Mm -hmm. You have to take the kit to the hospital. Yes, you do. <laughs> so yes, if you do. you do not, <laughs> your blood will not get banked. No. Because so your kit has to be there at the time of delivery. Right. And so there will be a driver that comes to pick up your kit yes. from your hospital yes. room. Yes. <laughs> so yes. It, timing is very important yes. in the whole situation. And the doctors aren't, it's not really their, um, 
It's not our area of expertise. It's not your area of expertise, but it's also, they'll put the stuff in the bag, but that's it. Like somebody else, you kind of need your husband or your spouse, whoever else is in the room to kind of give it to the delivery person. So the, um, the doctor isn't going to be liable for any, if anything goes wrong. So it's, (laughs) I know for us, and I think every, every practice could be a little different, but as we were going along with our with patients, there were certain charts that got flagged. So we would start saying, now, you know, remember, this is what you're going to do. This is how, you know, remember, you got to bring your kit. Or, and that was just the way our practice ran. So we would even tell the charge nurse. Mm-hmm. We would start having kind of a list on labor and delivery saying, these are the people that said, you know, these are the deliveries coming up. Um, these are the, the ones that are going to be, you know, their due dates are this month. This is somebody that says core blood. So make sure you ask them when they come in do they have their kit but you're right if there's not that type of a chain of communication it's really up to the patient to make sure that they give that to the to the personnel in the room so when you if you're thinking about core blood registry when you're packing your hospital bag put the kit in the bag Put it in the bag by the door. Right, right. So, um, but I think that it's definitely, there are so many things that they can do with stem cells. So if you can do it, I say, why not? Yeah, absolutely. And it's yours. It's It's yours. yours. You own, you get a certificate with your child's name on it, I believe. And um, it's, you you pay I guess it tells you how many years or, you know, there are definitely some details with that that I don't remember because it's been six years. But but, um, yeah, so just do your research and um, find out what options are available. I know in some places people have donated scholarships so Mm. everybody in their hospital gets it. So know what's available to you and at your hospital. So um, that's just a whole new world that you can research and look into. My goodness. You know, we had the opportunity, like you said, to talk about sickle cell on your blog. And so I'm going to use some poetic, um, I'm going to use some poetic licensing and kind of take your questions that you asked me and, and kind of flip them for you. You, you had asked me why was it important for couples to know their sickle cell trait, um, know their sickle cell trait status. So I'm going to say from somebody sitting in your vantage point, your viewpoint, why do you think it's important? that couples know their sickle cell trait? I think that um, it's very important to know prior to deciding whether you want to get married or have children just so you can be informed. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just so much better to say, okay, I made a decision to do this rather than the decision was already made for you and it just happened. Mm. It's better to have more control over a situation than to already be put in the situation. That's just my opinion. You know, yeah. you mm-hmm. it may differ for other people, but I personally would like to have, I'm a planner, so I would like to have known prior <laughs> right. to, um, so prior that- to the experience. So I would say, for everybody that I know that's thinking about marriage, that's dating, mm-hmm. and you're considering it, just know. Know yours. Yes. Know your status. So if you find out that you have the sickle cell trait before you get married or you know have kids, definitely find out if your partner also has the sickle cell trait. Just so, you know, the sickle cell itself, it can definitely be controlled. They have... Mm-hmm. Um, 
have made many advances in science. And so people are living a lot longer, but you know, there, it still exists and it's not, it's not something easy or cheap to live with. So, um, if you're, you know, your finances are important to you, it's something to think about. I say that kind of, you know, um, humorously, but I'm, I'm serious. Yes. Yes. Oh my goodness. Um, you asked me what was a myth that I would like to dispel about people living with sickle cell anemia. What is a myth that you would like to dispel? One myth that I would like to dispel is that um, I've heard some people say, oh, she'll grow out of it. Wow. (laughs) And that's when I heard that, that's when I knew that I can't be quiet. I can't Mm -hmm. sit in my pew and just not share about sickle cell because a lot of people are kind of misinformed. When you're born, you don't really grow out of the way your blood is shaped. (laughs) That's not, (laughs) that's true. And so there, there are some misconceptions within our community and people aren't receiving the knowledge and the information that they could be. Because to be honest with you, there are so many people that have sickle cell. And if we as a community were being open and honest about sickle cell, it wouldn't be so prevalent. Mm. because I think a lot of people would say, okay, I found this out. So what am I going to do about it? What changes can I make? You know, it's just knowledge is power. And I truly believe that. And so sickle cell is not something that a person can grow out of. Now, can it be managed? Yes. Yes, it can. And I truly believe that diet and different, um, you know, lifestyle changes, Mm -hmm. drinking plenty of fluids, there are things that you can do to make the quality of life better. Mm -hmm. Now, will the person grow out of it? No. So just because a person isn't going through crisis does not mean that their blood has miraculously changed. That is not true. Micah, you are making some great points here. We have, we have kind of touched around the, the, the topic of what happens with a person with sickle cell. So let's go into a little detail of what this looks like. So... From my understanding, what I what I can um, recall through my training is that sickle cell. Let, let's just go back to class a little bit. So when our blood in our system gets formed, when our red blood cells get formed through our genetics, through genes, they look like a donut, and those donuts are very pliable. So when your blood is flowing from your arteries down to your arterioles, which are smaller. Um, blood vessels going down to the capillary beds and capillary beds are where your arteries and your veins intertwine and it's usually around organ systems and tissues that's where the exchange of oxygen carbon dioxide happens that's where you give nutrients to tissues and you take in the toxins and then it goes out through the venous end of the system back up to the heart where you can blow it out blow out your carbon dioxide and get reoxygenated by the lungs well, as those blood, vest, blood cells are going through and they're that donut shape, they're pliable. They can go, they can squeeze through those little tiny capillary beds. When you have this sickle cell shape, so it's like a little crescent moon shape or a sickle like that tool, the, the farm tool is what it's actually named after. That gets sticky for one thing. They tend to stick together, and that shape cannot go through those tiny, tiny capillaries as well as the donut shape. Thus, we can't get blood to organs or to the tiny areas. 
when you can't get blood and oxygen to areas, that is actually ischemia or lack of oxygen. So you can actually have pain. That's right. one thing that can happen, correct? So you can yes. have a pain crisis. Um, the other thing is that when you cannot get oxygen and exchange carbon dioxide and help to um, facilitate the good bacteria in our system to help fight off any bad bacteria or viruses, you're more susceptible to infections. That's right. Okay? So you have to be very careful around this time of year especially, and we're going to talk about that. I'm going to ask you what you do around this time of year. But those are two of the big things that we talk about in terms of what happens to a sickle cell anemic patient. So tell me some other things from looking from your from your experience. What other things happen or what does a sickle cell crisis look like? Okay, so we'll I will go into the crisis first and, and I'll talk about some other things that happen as well. Um, so a sickle cell crisis, my daughter has had one crisis um, mm-hmm. in the past. And when she went through the crisis, so she was five when she had her crisis. Mm-hmm. Um, it was after, it was the coldest day of the year mm-hmm. when she had a crisis. Um, so it was last, last winter, year. last year. And you have to avoid extremes because um, part of your blood, your blood helps regulate your temperature, your body yes, temperature. It does. Yes, it does. And if your blood cells aren't able to do that because they're sickle shape, um, you cannot, your body can't heat up and cool down like it's supposed to. And so um, you can have a crisis. And so uh, for parents that have sickle, their child has sickle cell and you're wondering what does a crisis look like? Because prior to that experience, I was like, well, how will I know, mm-hmm. you know, if she's just in pain? And I'm here to tell you, you will know. Oh. It is, the pain is so bad that it's, it begins to take over their whole body. And so for my daughter, when she had her first, her first crisis, there was no mistaking whether what was going on with her body. I could actually look at her body and I could see her, her, where the blood was, um, it was going up and down her, her body. Yeah. Pulsating, pulsating. Yes. And, um, she would just shiver and, um, I constantly, what I did to help her manage it, you have to give them lots and lots of fluids because water H2O hmm, has oxygen. Not. Exactly. <laughs> so it helps exactly. to push the, um, the blood that has become, that has stuck together. It helps to push it through. So you have to, that is why hydration oh is so important. And so, um, so for children that have sickle cell that are going to school, it is important that they have, um, a water bottle on them. Mm. at all times that they're allowed to use the bathroom frequently because if you're taking in um, lots of fluids, they are generally going to come out. (laughs) So um, that's something that we should be aware of. But it's the pain is so, and it could last anywhere from hours to days. For my daughter, it lasted for um, from Wednesday to a, to a Saturday. Mm. And, um, it's a long time and you, she could not walk during that time. Um, and she basically cried. She couldn't sleep well. One of the things that, um, was helpful for us was to try to distract her. That would be reading to her, singing to her, um, just letting her watch a movie, um, you know, and just be in constant 
you know, talk to your doctors, find out what is, you know, be in constant communication with them. Mm -hmm. Um, if your child is young, you definitely need to take them to the ER Mm -hmm. and a lot of times they will admit them. If your child for children, um, very young children, if they have a fever over uh, 101, Mm -hmm. they are immediately going to be, um, put into the emergency room, um, they're going to be admitted into Mm -hmm. the hospital. Mm -hmm. You take them to the emergency room and they're going to be admitted just for observation. Um, so it's something where you always have to be on your P's and Q's. Mm -hmm. Um, so the pain is, there is no mistaking. You will know your child is in pain. It's not a, no, it's, it's, it's a constant and it's so, it's so painful. I know for my daughter, she screamed and she cried and it's like, as a parent, you want to do something yes. to take it away because even giving your child pain medicine, you know, it's like around the clock, you give the child pain medicines and it's like, you know, th- it feels bad. Like, oh my gosh, I have to keep giving this to right, her right. and it's a large, you know, it's a lot. And, um, but you do. Mm. because the pain is that unbearable. And so um, it is important just find doctors that you care, that you really like and trust, right. that you can contact mm-hmm. at any time. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, you know, avoid the extremes, eat healthy. I know um, for us, you know, she lives a semi-vegan diet okay. and that has been very helpful. Okay. Like I said, she hasn't really had a whole lot of complications, thankfully, mm-hmm. but, um, the complications that she has had like, um, cavities. Mm. So, um, it affects, um, all of your organs because, and your bone, yes. your, it, it, it affects your whole body. And so for us, I have two children, so I know they both eat the same diet. And um, one of my cha- one of my children, she, the one with sickle cell, she every time we go to the doctor, she'll have you know another cavity, wow. and it's like you know my child doesn't. I don't allow her to eat sweets, right, right. Um, and it's when I do, it's very rare. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's not. It's not because she's not brushing. It's exactly. not because it's because of sickle cell. Yeah. She also has glasses. Because um, it can affect your vision. It can affect your vision. So um, it can affect different parts of your body. And so you have to get regular checkups. Mm -hmm. It's very important. So at a young age, your child needs to go to the optometrist Mm -hmm. and get eye exams. These are things that sometimes we can take for granted. Yes. But we should not. Yes. Um, Dental appointments are very important. Thankfully, she loves the dentist. (laughs) Wow. Okay. <laughs> so she's like, oh, where's another dental appointment? That, that's great. <laughs> so, um, great. because she does have, she does have to, you know, get work done. And um, what we found out is that, so when she's getting her cavities done, mm-hmm. they can't give her anesthesia um, because she may have to have a blood transfusion. Yes. And so she gets um, the laughing gas when oh, they do. So. Wow. You, you, the way that you look at medical care, it begins to change. Yes. And so things that you may take for granted and not be well aware of, it becomes a whole new, you have to be your child's advocate. Um, my daughter also, so around this time of year, um, so when she was four, Mm -hmm. (laughs) she, um, she, she, we do allow them to get, um, vaccinations and one year she, got the flu. Mm-hmm. It was not long after she had the flu vaccination. So it was a different strand than yes. the, the flu vaccine yes. that she got because there's different strands of the exactly. flu. So just exactly. because you get the flu doesn't mean it was that strand. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, um, she ended up, it ended up 
um, developing into pneumonia. And I took her in for an appointment and I was like, you know, it just won't go away. And the the PA, it wasn't our regular physician. The PA was there and she was like, I don't think she's getting enough oxygen. And she was panicking. And I'm like, calm down. Wow. You had to (laughs) hold her hand. (laughs) Right. But she called the ambulance and she was like, I, you know, she has to have oxygen. So here I am at a routine appointment and she called the ambulance. And so I had a friend watching my other child and I had to call the friend. I had to tell her, you know, we're not going to be home. Um, the doctor, you know, she's yes. going to have to go to the hospital. So we went to the hospital and the hospital was like, by that time, my daughter, you know, she was looking fine, but the hospital was like, you know, why did you bring her here? So you, you have to be well educated. You have to, you have wow. to know how to kind of, um, talk to the medical staff and kind of, you know, let them know what's going on. You have to be well versed in your situation. Right. And you should keep, so for us, it was very helpful because they had to take her blood. They had Mm. to um, give her an x-ray to see if the pneumonia um, had reached her lungs. And, you know, there's a lot of things that, you know, take place. And so I, I had her, um, her blood chart with me. Oh. I, I keep a copy of it on my phone. Okay. So that, um, so when they took her blood, they compared it to um, the, um, what she, how her blood numbers run normally. Yes. Yes. And so they were able to see, okay, you know, this isn't, um, she's going to be okay. Okay. And so she was actually, she was released and they gave us um, medicine for the flu mm-hmm. um, because the pneumonia hadn't reached her lungs. Okay. So, okay. Um, which was a blessing yes. um, because it can be scary. So, you know, this type of time of year, you really have to um, do everything you can yes. to build up your child's immune system or your immune system. Yes. And um, yes. just everybody in the house no. has to do, I'm so <laughs> not just that, that person, it's everybody. 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 So, um, I, I'm, I was glad that you touched on the point of vaccines. I mean, vaccines is a hot topic and I'm not equipped to handle that conversation <laughs> right now. I right. was actually listening to one of my favorite podcasts, Health Bridges, and they tackled vaccines. Um, and I love the way that they actually um, addressed vaccines. So if you're look, thinking about, you need more information about vaccines, go to Health Bridges. It's Dr. Sarah Gottfried, and um, I can't even think of the other gentleman's name, but I'll, I'll have it on the, on my um, wrap-up. But vaccines are sounds like something that you do. Um, sugar, I, I that caught my ear. I really don't think that as a society, we know how much sugar is a detriment to us. And from the immune standpoint, the immune system standpoint, sugar actually cripples a particular cell, white blood cell called the macrophages. Those are the nice big ones that kind of chomp up the bad bacteria or even viruses. What happens is sugar actually makes them sluggish. It makes them not do their job. So staying away from sugar during this time of year, even not just this time of year. And, you know, of course, the big candy season is coming up. Right. And we wonder why kids have... And Thanksgiving. And Thanksgiving. For dessert. Exactly. (laughs) And we wonder why kids have runny noses and, and the congestion and the sneezing. And so that is a big deal. 
cutting back on our sugar intake, um, washing our hands. Yeah. And teaching your child how to wash their hands properly at a young age. I know for us, that was it's so important. So when she was a little bitty mm-hmm. girl, I would go in there and I would wash her hands. And, you know, we would talk about it. So yes. I, I don't just write about... Um, things on my blog it's things it's how we're living yes. so um i also empower my children with <laughs> these messages <laughs> wonderful, and wonderful. Uh, my kids will say yeah you gotta wash your hands yes yes and i think it's very important so you know when she's out she knows okay before i put something in my mouth you know like even snack time you know we definitely do it before dinner time but it's it's important yes. before snack time yes. as well yes. and so um just anything you know we we're a bit Um, proponents of hand washing and teaching children how to wash with soap properly, you know, and under their nails. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, you know, we laugh at it. We say it jokingly, but it's very, very important. And I know that um, the two times my daughter has been ill, I'm thankful that she hasn't had to be hospitalized. So, and I know that it's the, the things that we're doing, like hand washing, um, you know, just, empowering each other with you know how to take care of each other because you need support yes you need to support each other as a family and i know you know my husband he i stay at home with them so one of the ways that we are managing my daughter's sickle cell is i homeschool Mm. so so um because a lot of times kids go to school and that's where most of the germs are exactly exactly so um to (laughs) to kind of combat that we um we do homeschooling now we do um one day a week she does go to um, a community with other homeschoolers Mm, so you know because people's criticism is socialization often but we do a lot we go to the museum we do a lot of field trips i see you on your twitter (laughs) and i'm like wow okay so this was the project for one day or this is when we were talking about birds or something right we we have a wonderful time we have a wonderful time and just because you homeschool doesn't mean you need to stay at home I like that. So, that is a great little ad right there. I like that. Right? I like so, that. So we enjoy it. And I think, you know, just loving it. And mm-hmm. so I, I teach my, my children to love life, mm-hmm. you know, because what I know as a parent is every day I have with my children is, you know, is a gift from God. Oh, and so that's how I try to, you know, live my life. I like every moment I get to spend with my child is a gift. So um, I'm a parent that really <laughs> loves my children, wow, like most parents. That but is wonderful. It's, it's wonderful. So we're go- we're gonna wrap this up. I'm gonna kind of come come around the corner, so to speak. I am becoming familiar with the concept of a tribe, and in my understanding of a tribe, it is it's where a community tends to come together that are either having a shared experience or proponents of a mission and it's within this tribe that people can come for encouragement they can come for support they can come for information Um, they can even come for correction because maybe they don't have you know information that they've had before one thing I've noticed in a tribe is that a leader tends to emerge you know, the tribe kind of tends to have a leader emerge. And in in my humble opinion, you've become one of those leaders in oh. the tribe of sickle cell. <laughs> well, thank you. And because of that, you were able to be a part of a very um, 
you, you were able you were able to be a part of a of a wonderful event this past week. Could you tell us about that? Yes. Yeah, so a part of me being an advocate for sickle cell is that I'm a St. Jude blogger, mm-hmm. and um, my experience with St. Jude actually began in um, the end of April, the beginning of May, mm-hmm. and I. Um, I was contacted by St. Jude and I was allowed to visit the hospital in Memphis, Tennessee. And when um, I went to St. Jude, it was the most encouraging facilities I had ever seen in my life. It's a hospital and um, it's known for treating cancer patients, but Mm -hmm. the very first grant they received was actually for sickle cell. Really? Yes, and so they do a lot um, of sickle cell research. They're really at the forefront of sickle cell research, and that's kind of how we got connected with Mm. each other. And um, I'm definitely passionate about letting people know about sickle cell, and I love what the hospital is doing. So, you know, anytime I am um, given the privilege to be a part of something that they're doing, I am just, you know, grateful. And so this past um, September, on September 25th, I was um, invited to attend a call to service reception. And it was in D.C. And there they honored um, Hill Harper, the actor and activist. Mm -hmm. They honored... uh, Roland Jackson, uh, Roland Martin. He's mm-hmm. actually the um, syndicated columnist and mm-hmm. award-winning journalist. And they also honored Doctor, the late Doctor Maya Angelou, mm-hmm. and um, her grandson and goddaughter were there to accept oh, wow. um, the honor for her. And um, they also honored the Divine Nine. So that is um, the. It is um, nine different um, sororities and fraternities in the black community Mm. that are given back to help um, St. Jude. And the the reception really talked about sickle cell. Mm. And they talked a lot about um, what they're doing for patients with sickle cell. And one of the... Um, speakers that night was the very first person in the world who was cured of sickle cell disease. Her name is Kimberlyn uh, George Wilson, Mm -hmm. Wilson George, I'm sorry. And she was there and she told her story. In 1983, Kimberlyn was a little girl and she had sickle cell anemia. And she went to the hospital because she was having severe pain crisis. While she was at the hospital, she also found out that she had acute myeloid leukemia. Mm-hmm. And that's a, two diagnoses at a very young age. And in order for the doctors to treat the leukemia, they said, okay, we're going to give her a bone marrow transplant. And when they gave her the transplant, Miraculously, they didn't know this was going to happen, but miraculously, it also cured her of her sickle cell anemia. Wow. And so that night, 
it was kind it was such a surreal feeling to be in the room mm. where she was telling her story about being a little girl and having this operation her brother was a perfect match and i mean it was so much faith and so much um just love and i as a parent of a child with sickle cell i i was just my emotions were kind of arrested in the moment. Mm. I just couldn't, I, I can't really express to you how it felt, but it was just this feeling of, I, I felt, you know, joy. And I just, you could tell that um, she was just changed. Her life was changed and she was so grateful because now she's a mother. Mm. She has children of her own and you know, for somebody to be cured of sickle cell, you know, this is something where, you know, back in the day, people were told you won't live to be 10. Right. And for her to be a mother and she's out telling her story and she tells it as if it happened just yesterday. And she was just emotional and she was, you know, definitely she was kind of crying. And my sister was there with me and she oh, was crying. Goodness. And I was just like, yes. you know, I got to hold it together. <laughs> you know, so I was just there and I just felt, I just felt, you know, God's peace. Because for me as a parent, it just gave me peace and hope that one day, you know, my daughter may not have to be in pain. Mm. So it was just a hopeful and encouraging experience. And I thank St. Jude for allowing me to be there um, because it's truly an honor. I was, I was in a room, there were, you know, many other celebrities there too. And I was just, you know, I was just blessed. I was blessed in the moment because we often hear about things that go wrong in America mm-hmm. and people are quick to share that and talk about it. But you know, St. Jude is something that's right in America. And every time I think about what I experienced when I went to St. Jude hospital and how everyone who the staff, they're personally connected. There is a, a sense of community that is, is, different from the way we look at the world Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. there's there's a community of love that is it's beautiful it's a beautiful thing and so um saint jude is what's right in america that is wonderful l thank you so much thank you for allowing us to have a glimpse into your life thank you and to help us understand in a broader sense, not just in a sterile academic world, sickle cell anemia. My hope is that as people listen and and they're connected, that they begin to connect their own health dots. Yes. And they're able to have a partnership with their healthcare providers. That's very, very important. So that they can experience whole person care. 